This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now, let's join today's message already in progress. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up, and if you have your Bibles, turn them quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to read verses 4 through 11. It should be up on the screen in just a minute. I'll wait for... uh, There we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things Distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us about spiritual gifts. And as you speak to us, Father, we pray that you would exalt the Lord Jesus Christ high so that we might see him. And in seeing him, we might believe on him. And in believing on him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. I'm going to begin a series, and this is the first installment of the series entitled, Unwrap Your Spiritual Gifts. For the next three weeks, it'll be four if you include this one, we are going to be talking about unwrapping your spiritual gift. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul admonishes the Corinthian church by telling them, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, if you know anything about the letter to the Corinthian church, there were actually three letters. There are two letters that are recorded in our Bible. But in this first letter, Paul addresses divisions in the church. There were factions. He addresses disorders in the church. There, were, there was immorality. He addresses domestic difficulty. He has to talk about marriage and divorce. He talks about social difficulties, liberty and license. He talks about ecclesiastical difficulties or church difficulties. He talks about women and worship. He then goes on to talk about doctrinal issues, death and resurrection. And he talks about financial issues, giving of of finances to the body of Christ. 
But right here in chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. And he talks about spiritual gifts in a very practical way. And he says in verse 1, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And how many know that in the church we can be ignorant about spiritual gifts? And ignorance simply means uninformed. There are so many church members that don't know what their spiritual gift is. There are so many church members that, that don't know how to use their spiritual gift if they have it. And then how many know in the church we can abuse spiritual gifts? And so that's why Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I heard that you've been uninformed. I've heard that many of you don't know what your spiritual gift is. I've heard that many of you know what it is, but you don't know how to use it. I know that many of you know what it is, don't know how to use it, and now you're abusing spiritual gifts. So I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to share some information with you that would help you learn about your spiritual gift. And many women, that's my motive. My motive is to equip you to help you, number one, learn what your spiritual gift is. Number two, once you know what it is, to, to give you some encouragement and exhortation about how to use it. And then number three, to help you know how not to abuse it. But today we're just going to talk about not being ignorant about it. You know, it's so important that Paul mentions two other instances where he says, don't be ignorant. He says, I don't want you in Romans chapter 11. I don't want you to be ignorant about God's plan for Israel. And what he's going to do with the Jews. And then in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about Jesus' second coming. And then here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Say amen. amen. Now let's give a definition of terms. Because I've been asked on more, more than one occasion, Pastor Mike, how do you know if it's a spiritual gift and not just a natural talent? Well, let's, let's define terms here. Some of us have talents. And what I would say is a talent or a natural talent is what God gives you at birth. It has nothing to do with you being a Christian. It has a, there are both Christians and non-Christians who have talents. Say amen or oh me. Amen. You've got talents. Those talents are natural talents given to you by God at birth. And then you have skills and abilities. Skills and abilities are not necessarily natural talents given to you at birth. A natural talent given to you at birth is a proficiency in something that you don't necessarily have to learn. It's that person that steps at the piano and knows how to play it by ear without learning how to read notes. They just naturally have it. Well, you can take that natural talent and it can become a skill or ability and you know that a skill or an ability is learned and developed by practice. Amen or oh me. Amen. Musicians know about that. Athletes know about that. Artists know about that. Uh, people in drama know about that. You have a skill and you are not proficient in it, but through working hard daily 
and giving attention to it, you can become proficient in it, but it is not a talent, it is not a gift, it's a skill or ability that you had to work hard for. And that's me in school. I wasn't a naturally smart person. I had to study, I had to re- and I had to do a lot of memorization because it did not come to me easy. Some of you, like my oldest daughter, it just comes easy. She just A's with her eyes closed. But uh, I got, got C pluses working real hard. And then you've got spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a gift that's given by the Holy Spirit. Once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, unbelievers do not have spiritual gifts. It may be a talent. It may be a skill or an ability. It might be something close. But a a spiritual gift is given to believers by the Holy Spirit in order to do two things. To glorify God and to minister to other people. A spiritual gift is to glorify God and to minister to other people. One preacher put it this way, and I like this. Spiritual gifts are tools, not toys. They are for our employment, not our enjoyment. They are not for us. They're for God and for others. But they are to be used by us. To glorify God, minister to other people, and build the body of Jesus Christ. Amen or oh me. I'll make these things, these slides available if you are, if I'm going too fast. I just, I don't want to keep you here too long. Spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Contrary to popular belief, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not the only place where you will find spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we are here, but they're also found in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, there are three categories of these spiritual gifts. In, in, in Romans and 1 Peter, we call those gifts to build up the church. And we'll talk about those a little bit later. In Ephesians, we're talking about leadership gifts in the church or offices. He gave some as prophets and teachers and apostles. And we're going to talk about that and spend a whole message on that particular passage. And then here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're talking about spiritual um, and special abilities that God gives believers. Special abilities that God gives believers. Now, in terms of numbers, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are nine spiritual gifts. In Romans chapter 12, there are seven spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 5, there are five spiritual gifts or offices. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, there are two spiritual gifts. In our messages, we're going to go in that order. So today we're talking about 1 Corinthians, next week we'll talk about Romans, then Ephesians, then 1 Peter. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Now, with regard to views on spiritual gifts, views, I want you to just be aware, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but you do need to be aware that in the body of Christ, the church around the world, not just in America, has various views on spiritual gifts, especially on these three chapters in 1 Corinthians. The first spiritual view is the cessationist. Why don't you say it? Cessationist. The cessationist, the root word is to cease. 
And this particular group of believers believes that the gifts were only for the early church or only in the apostolic age and they are not for today. The gifts have ceased. And they base that on a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it lists spiritual gifts and it says when the perfect has come, these are going to cease. Now there is much debate on what that perfect is. But the cessationist believe, believes that these miraculous gifts or these dynamic gifts have ceased because we have the word of God. The next uh, view of spiritual gifts is the charismatic the charismatic, not the cessationist, but the charismatic. If you've heard that term charismatic, say amen. amen. Simply, the word charismatic comes from charis, or the Greek word for gifts or giving. Where you talk about charisma, that person who, who, who has this, this very attractive personality. But that person believes that all the gifts are for today, but that person also believes that they need to be grounded. So this person would say, yes, I believe in the gifts. Yes, I believe. But there are some boundaries and parameters around that. Which leads me to the third person, which is not the cessationist or the charismatic, but he is the hyper-charismatic. The hyper-charismatic. And the hyper-charismatic would say, I believe that all the gifts are today, but this person has a low view of the Bible that is when the prophecy, the gift of prophecy especially, or tongues, is often placed above the written word. So the experience of the gift sometimes, and this is a general view, people could argue with me, I'm just giving you the general categories, so don't get mad if you say, well, that's not what folks really believe. I'm just giving you the general categories, and that leads me to the last one. There's the cessationist, the charismatic, the hyper-charismatic, and then there's the Pentecostal. Now that is a general, not all Pentecostals believe this, I'm just giving you a general perspective on what they would say about the gifts. They believe that all the gifts are today, but often believe that speaking in tongues is a proof that you have the Holy Spirit. So they would say, yes, I believe you've received Christ, yes, I believe you place your faith in Christ, but you know what you need? You need the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So, yeah, we all Christians, I'm just, uh, you know, I just got the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I have the gifts of the Spirit. So you have the cessationist on one side who says they have ceased. You have the charismatic who says, I believe in all of the gifts and they are to be governed. Then you have the hyper charismatic who says, I believe that all of the gifts are today and would go a step further by saying your experience with the gifts can be on par with the actual word of God. And then the Pentecostal would say, I believe that the gifts are today and your experience is the most important thing, especially being filled and being anointed with and being baptized with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Now, I'm just going to show my cards today. If you were to put me in this category, I would be charismatic. Mm -hmm. Because I do not believe that the gifts have ceased. But I do believe that the gifts need to be governed. Right. Amen or on me. Amen. So, with regard to that, 
I, I want you to know where I'm coming from. And most cessationists who believe that the gifts have ceased would not teach on the gifts except to give you one message to prove to you that they've ceased. Amen or omen. So I'm not going to do that. I believe that the gifts are operable. You can't, believe, you can't live in our community without believing that the gifts are operable. We better have some spiritual gifts to deal with the kind of demons we're dealing with. Amen or omen. Because God's going to have to... We, we can't intellectualize folks into heaven. We, we can't urge folks. We can't convince folks. We need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our community. Amen. But all of us have gifts. And I believe that God has given gifts in the body of Christ the same way he gives gifts to teams. See, I coach basketball and I know that everybody on the team can't have the same gift or else nobody would get the ball. We got to have some folks that can rebound. We got to have some folks that can dribble. We got to have folks that can pass. We got to have some folks that can play defense. And we got to have some folks that know basketball IQ. We need a field general out there. We need folks with all the gifts. Not just one. And in a church, you need folk with all the gifts. And so for the remainder of my time, I want to talk about three words in this text. I want to talk about gifts. I want to talk about ministries. And I want to talk about activities. Three things. I want to talk about gifts. I want to talk about ministries. And I want to talk about activities. First of all, gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Mm -hmm. Diversities of gifts. Let me put a parenthesis right there and talk about the importance of diversity. God is not a homogeneous God where we're all the same. You can tell that by just looking at us. There is not one person in the sanctuary that looks exactly like another person. You could take identical twin, uh, twins and find the, the flaws in them. We got twins on the pulpit and they don't look alike. And, and, and the, the issue becomes what does God do with diversity? He says, I want unity in diversity. So he says, I want you to understand their diversity of gifts, but the same what? It's the same spirit. And when he talks about the diversity of gifts, Paul will go on to list the nine spiritual gifts in the following verses. And in more other places, there, there is indeed a diversity of gifts. Yet there's only one giver who works through the diverse gifts, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm not going to read the verses for you, but I am going to give you the nine gifts and they should be up on the screen. First one is the gift of wisdom, then the gift of knowledge, then the gift of faith, then the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation. I'll just give you one sentence on each one. The gift of wisdom, when, when you interact with someone who has it, will give you wisdom from God and from life, and you say, that's exactly what I need. It's like a word has dropped from heaven. They have given it may it may or may not be a scripture, but it will always line itself up with a scriptural principle. Amen. It's a word of wisdom. And a lot of times our grandparents have that. They give us a word of wisdom and then others liken unto it. It's a word of knowledge. Maybe there was information that you did not know, but you needed to know. 
And, and, and this person met you right there in your ignorance because you didn't know it. And you're being uninformed. And they gave you a word of knowledge that helped you at the right time, at the right place, for the right moment, and in the right context. Then you go on to, to, from knowledge to faith. Those are those folks that believe the best about any situation. And they're going to trust God even when you can't. And you don't have the faith to believe, but you interact with them who have the gift of faith. And they say, come on with me and let's believe God. And they encourage you to believe God along with them. Anybody have somebody like that in your life? Amen. And then not only the gift of faith, but the gift of healing. And listen, that is not just limited to physical healing. You remember when Jesus healed the man who was on the, who, whose friends took him there, who was lame? He says, your sins are forgiven. The folk got upset with him, the scribes and Pharisees, and says, he says, what's more difficult to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise, take up your pallet and walk? Because he wanted to know that he was healing on the inside and outside. And there are people with the gift of healing. You interact with them and you feel so much better. Amen or oh me. Then the gift of miracles. I've actually seen this in operation. We actually prayed in Washington, D.C., a hot air balloon go down. And we prayed that it would go down. And the reason why we prayed it would go down is because we were trying to do an evangelistic event. And everybody that was at our evangelistic event went over to see this hot air balloon. And they couldn't even get it off the thing. There was a guy in our group that said, Lord, let it come down. What, five minutes before they, they announced on the loudspeaker there was something that happened with the balloon. It could, the people that were over there watching the balloon came back to our event. It was a miracle. And if you've seen one, you know that it's true. I've seen miracles happen. You can talk to me afterwards if you want to hear some more. Prophecy. That is those who, who have the gift of foretelling and forthtelling. Normally in our day and age, these are the preachers that whenever you listen to them, you get a word from God. You feel like it's, it's you, you come up to them and say, that's exact. did somebody tell you about my situation? That's exactly what I need. And normally someone has just exercised their gift of prophecy. It's not just telling you the future, it's telling you the truth. Amen or oh me. And then not only that, the gift of discernment. The gift of wisdom about a situation and tell you, hey, listen, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is what I've seen. Is, I don't know. I, I'm just telling you, don't enter into that agreement. And you find out later that that word that they gave you of discernment prevented you from falling into error or into danger. That's the gift of discernment. All of us need it. We as church leaders need it more than anything else because we can fall into that. And that is the role when we get to offices. That's the role of elder. So with the plurality of elders to help you not walk into that ditch, we need people with the gift of, 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 of discernment. And then the gift of tongues. I'm going to go ahead and give you an idea of how tongues is used in, in the scriptures in two ways. In one way, it's the divine ability to speak a language that you've never learned. And then there is a prayer language. Amen or oh me, don't get, don't get scared. Don't get scared. Anybody, everybody don't have that gift. But I respect and I recognize the people who do. And listen... If you get in enough uh, trouble, you'll call somebody that, that knows how to pray in tongues. 
I know I have. When my baby was at Children's Hospital and they couldn't find why she had the, the, a fever in her body and they, they poked her everywhere you could poke a baby and she was a baby and couldn't tell you why. I called everybody I knew. I didn't care. You come in the lobby praying in tongues. I don't care. As long as you get one through. Amen or oh me. But then, if you have the gift operable in a corporate setting, you have to have someone who has the gift of interpretation. Amen? Amen. So those are the nine gifts here, and I believe that God has gifted the body of Christ. Not all of us. But in a congregation this size, there may be one person with each one of these spiritual gifts. And if you were to read the scripture down there in verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of everybody. For the profit of all. And men and women, these gifts are for the body. The only time that people get uncomfortable about spiritual gifts is when you talk about people who abuse them. And I get uncomfortable about that too. But if they're operated in the right way for the glory of God to build up and edify His people, come on, bring them gifts. Because we need every one of them. Amen or oh me. Number two. We're going to talk about ministries. There's difference of gifts. Your passion and your gifts should match. But there's difference of ministries. Your position and your gift usually match as well. What do I mean by that? The scripture in verse 5 says, There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Uh, David Gusick says, Ministries probably has in mind the different gifted offices in the church, such as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, as Paul has described in Ephesians chapter 4. It could be that what Paul is doing is he is saying... I'm going to give you the three categories of gifts. I'm going to talk about there being a diversity of gifts. This passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when I list all of them, then there is this difference of ministry. I'm going to talk about that in Ephesians chapter 4, the office gift. And then he's going to go on and talk about the activities in verse 6. Well, what are those ministries? God has given each one of us a ministry type. If Sheila Dixon were here, I would tell you that she has the gift of apostle. Now, I'm not talking about Apostle Brown or whoever you, you know who done started a ministry somewhere and they call themselves an apostle and they put themselves on the same level as, as the Bible apostles. There are no Bible apostles anymore because one of the, 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 the uh, qualities and one of the characteristics of an apostle in the scriptures is you had to see Jesus face to face. Ain't none of us seen Jesus face to face. Amen or oh me. However, you can have the gift of the apostle. And the gift of apostle is the ability to start ministries. And Sheila Dixon in our congregation has started at least four or five different ministries. She started What's Cooking. She started us going to uh, VACA Youth Detention Facility. Quiet as it's kept, she started the Mustard Seed Choir. And so on and so forth with ministries because she got the gift. She knows how to start things. 
And she knows how to get people involved in starting things. And what I'm saying to you is this. You got to discover what your gift is in the body. It is a ministry. Gifts, ministries, and usually your, your position and your gift normally match. It is something that you want to do. It is something that you're burdened about. It is something that concerns you. It is something that won't leave you. And it is your ministry. And normally God gifts you in order to do it. Amen or oh me? Are y'all learning something? Some messages that you give are devotional. This is more instructional. Is that okay? That's all right. Well, last one and then we'll be done. There's a diversity of gifts. There's a diversity of ministries. But there's also a diversity of activity. God's power is evident in your gift. His power. Because he says in verse 6, And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. So you've got a diversity of gifts, and he lists the nine that they are. The diversity of ministries, we'll talk about offices next week. But there's also a diversity of activity. But it's the same God who works all in all. Now, I'm not a Greek Major, I don't know in Greek, but I do know how to use the tools. And this word activities in the Greek is the same word that we get for energy. So what he's saying is there are different energies, but it's the same God who's giving the power. It's manifested in a different way. But it's the same God who does the power. It's the same God who had Moses go up to the Red Sea and, 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 and he, he, he puts his, his staff out and the power of God separates the Red Sea. That is his activity. Amen or oh me? But it's the same God who took David's sm- still small stone and put it in a slingshot and when David threw that thing, his arm, the slingshot, and the stone became an extension of God's power. Became an extension. It's the same God with the same power, with the same energy, with the same activity. So when, when, when Kevin gets up to play his saxophone, playing the saxophone is not a spiritual gift. Playing the saxophone is a talent, probably natural born, or it can be a skill or an ability that he has learned. I hadn't talked to him long enough to know which one it is. However, when he plays that that saxophone, if he has the gift of exhortation, if he has the gift of encouragement, if he has the gift of, of stimulating and motivating God's people to praise and worship... That saxophone becomes an extension of God's power to give Him glory and to minister to the saints. When Kim and Karen and Gene and and Tracy and, and Kevin get up to sing, I don't know if it's a natural talent. I know Karen has a natural talent. The girl got perfect pitch. Some of us, it's a skill or ability that you got to work on. I don't know. They're probably natural talent. But when they sing, if they have the gift, if they have the gift of encouragement and empowering God's people, and they, they're using their talent to glorify Him, and they combine it with that spiritual force, 
that spiritual power, God is glorified. And his people are edified. So, what is that gift for you? It's a gift, or it's a ministry, or it's an activity that God wants you to experience. And I'll close with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the remotest part of the earth. So God, in number one, says it, it is a gift for the body. It profits everybody. The Holy Spirit is the author of this gift. The Holy Spirit is the foundation of this gift. The Holy Spirit is the one who distributes gifts as He wills. It's from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Jesus says in Acts, He says, But you shall receive power. And after the Holy Spirit is coming, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to, to the remotest part of the earth. And what I'm telling you is, you got a gift. She's got a gift. He's got a gift. All God's children got a gift. Yeah. Are you using your gift for His glory? Yeah. Are you using His gift to reach people with the gospel? Yeah. Are you using that gift as, as if He's giving you a little light? And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine all out in the world. I'm going to let it shine all in my community. I'm going to let it shine all in my church. And I'm going to let it shine all in my home. Because that's the gift that God has given me. And that's the gift I'm going to use. The question becomes, what is my spiritual gift, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. There is an assessment called shape. Is that up there? There's an assessment called shape. And shape simply stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Your spiritual gifts. What, what has God supernaturally gifted you to do? Your heart. What, what do you have a passion and love to do? Your abilities. What, what natural talents and skills do you have? Personality. Where, what, what best fit to serve is your personality and how God has made you? And then E. What spiritual experiences have you had? Next slide. This afternoon, when you go and watch this video on YouTube, in the description part, we're going to have this link where you can, can take a free assessment to discover what your spiritual gifts are. It's a shape assessment. It's absolutely free. It is based upon Rick Warren's, what they've used, the tool in their church, the Saddleback Church in California. But I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. I want to motivate you to, to discover your spiritual gift so that you can find your place in the body of Christ. Because God has gifted you for something that only you can do. God has shaped you. <laughs> pun intended. God has shaped you for this. God has, has divinely uh, uh, formed you and made you so that you can be a gift to the body of Christ, and quiet as it's kept, this list of spiritual gifts should include you. Because you are a gift to the body of Christ. Your personality, your experiences, your uniqueness, your distinctives are a gift to the body of Christ. Many women, 
Jesus Christ saved us for a purpose. He saved us to give us gifts. He saved us to redeem a dying world. He died on the cross so that we might live for Him. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for everyone that is sitting under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you would help us not look at ourselves. Father, I'm convicted that the times in which I'm most depressed, the time in which I'm most defeated, the times in which I'm most sorrowful, all of the areas and arrows in my life are pointing inward. I'm looking at me. But the times in which I'm most joyful, the times in which I feel most significant, the times in which I'm most joyous, I'm living out my calling. I'm living, maximizing my gifts. I don't have all of them, but I can do what I can do. And I pray, Father God, that our people here would not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. But that we would embrace them. That we would open and unwrap them. And in the weeks to come, Father, give us a spirit to use them and not abuse them. Father, this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, 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 amen. and amen. amen. Won't you stand up and we'll be dismissed. God bless you.